Welcome back to the Into the Woods podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Wheeler. Today, we have a very special podcast for you. We got our first ever special guest. The special guest we have on the podcast today, his name is Ian McKendry. Ian is a hunter, um, avid hunter, loves to hunt, does all kinds, all kinds of hunting. Most likely, he's out there. So, Ian has also has a YouTube channel, Beyond the Boundaries. Go check out his YouTube channel. I originally found him through YouTube, so he has a great channel. puts out content like crazy. So, go click his the subscribe button over on his channel. That would really help him, and that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast: help support um, YouTube channels and stuff with through mine. So. Without further ado, I introduce you guys to Ian McKendry. Stick around. This is going to be a great episode. You can still hear me, right? Yep. All right. We'll start. So, obviously, you can introduce yourself here real quick. Yep. Uh, my name is Ian McKendry. I'm just a pretty average 23-year-old, northern Maine. I uh, live and breathe in the woods. My favorite place to be. Love doing a lot of shed hunting. Uh, getting into duck hunting this year and getting back into trapping. I used to trap in high school and finally getting back to it. And really excited for deer season as well. Happy to be here. All right, that's that's good. Um, so I have a few questions for you. Um, what and who got you started in hunting? Like, tell me your first like experiences and stories yep yeah so i was about i think eight years old um it was probably before that i shot a squirrel with a bb gun um it blew my mind it was the greatest thing so all the squirrels around my house started to to disappear but at eight years old my uncle eric um offered to take me on a moose hunt um his father john a tag and at eight years old it was the greatest idea to me. He took me out in the woods. He hyped me up on Mountain Dew and Pixie Sticks for a week. Ended up shooting a bull on Thursday. And it was one of the greatest experiences. And it, it really hooked me, especially in moose hunting, how cool it is just seeing that big of an animal running around. Um, Eric definitely instilled a lot of what it means to be a hunter and uh, a lot of the, the intricacies that come with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle Mike had uh, a lot of impact on me too. My father as well. Uh, I kind of forced my father to get into hunting, so worked out pretty good. Wow, that's awesome. So, um, didn't you got a moose? Uh, you shot a bull moose one year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I shot a bull moose in uh, 2009. Um, it was my very first year applying at 11 years old. Um, and to say I was scared to shoot the 308 is an understatement. I yeah. was blind and complained in the pit when my parents would try and get me to shoot it. I ended up shooting it with like a half half load of powder in it just to get me to pull the trigger on the gun. Um, but the day of the hunt, as far as I know, um, my uncle loaded the gun with a 200 grain like extra pressure bullet just in case I actually hit the moose and luckily I did at 40 yards got it right in the neck and things spun around ran 40 yards and I think I blacked out for a little bit because kind of woke up running down 
towards the moose. Yeah. And it was like, it was just, it was dead in 10 seconds. You were so, you were so hopped up on a gentle and I'm sure it didn't even matter. Oh, oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was one of the wildest experiences. And I've actually, I've thought back to it quite a bit. Um, and, and thought about the, uh, the age at which I harvested it at 11 years old, like I hadn't, that was my first big game animal. So I didn't really know how to react to it. And I think that if I had gotten my first permit at 20 or 25 or something that I would have appreciated it a lot more. Not that I, I wish I didn't get that tag. It was an amazing experience to shoot one in middle school. But I think that if I, when I get another tag eventually, I will appreciate it exponentially more. Yeah, I feel the same way because I got my tag in 2019. I think I think it was my first or second year applying, and we hunted a lot, and it was just a September hunt, and it was really hot and rainy, and we had kind of the fun ran out about Thursday, and we packed for, we headed home, but because it was just a long week and nothing. It was just me and my dad up at camp. So hopefully next time yeah. I'll, I'll have more experience and I'll have I've scouted a lot yeah. more. But as always. For sure. Yeah. How, how old are you now? Um, I just turned 16 like last week. So. Perfect. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so this will be your first fall hunting alone? Yeah, exactly. I'm doing my awesome. online hunter safety course like right now i'm halfway through it so um kind of procrastinating um, on that but i yeah it's, it's kind of better that you take it um closer to turning 16 so it's fresher in your head exactly so that you don't just ride around with your your parents or your uncle for three or four years hunting and then you get in the woods by yourself have no idea what they said um, i mean i i don't know if you have onyx yet but yeah i do Yeah, I got that. I got that last uh, during COVID, like the spring of COVID, and yeah, I used it all summer, scouted, and then was fortunate enough to get a buck that fall. And I don't think Onyx hurt that yeah. at all. It's a very good tool. And then I would have done a little more scouting this year, but I tore my knee out playing summer basketball, so that, that ended my scouting for. Two months of the summer and i'm getting yeah. back into it now a little late but we yeah. have enough deer around where yeah not too late i i put up a tree stand today yeah for this residence stand for my father um the very farthest shot is yeah, about a 260 yard shot across a uh open marsh field It'd be pretty crazy yeah um but it's a pretty nice little spot i threw up a trail camera and some sand for him um He's more of a, an active hunter, likes to walk around, try to track, but something different for when the, the ground is still bare, it'll be good for him. Yeah, we are, we're kind of just, uh, we just wake up in the morning, go out for a few hours, and then do something during the day, and go out and hunt for a few hours in the afternoon, but I'm, yeah. I at least plan on doing a lot more hunting, so... 
getting out nice. a lot more, like full day sits and stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess we can kind of roll this right into the next question. Um, yeah. What's your like prep for deer season like throughout the fall or summer and fall? And I guess, I mean, you shed hunt, so that definitely helps for yeah. a little bit. I really wish that I was more attentive to deer sign when I was shed hunting. So I'd, like, I've seen hundreds of moose uh, rubs, and like I, I had this sixth sense to like just stop and turn around when there's a rub behind me. I could just, I could feel it there, and I know to, to spin around and find it. But I have, I have yet to find a signpost rub for deer in the woods. Really? I, I've never found one. I always carry an extra trail camper when I'm shed hunting, just in case I find one. Doesn't matter if it's two hours north in zone four, five, seven, whatever. I'll drop a, a camera on a signpost. Yeah. Um, if it looks like it's been hit the last year, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to find one. But my deer prep, um, kind of from where they are in the summer. I know that they don't travel terribly far into their their uh, fall grounds, and then they go to their yards. So if I see a deer driving or um, see them out in the field or something, I'll throw that waypoint into my Onyx and keep it. And then maybe like July or something, I got out about four or five different cameras, um, start knocking on doors if it's private land, start getting landowner access, um, start with waterfowl or something. Just, hey, you think I could hunt ducks or geese this fall? And maybe if you have uh, land to spare, I could hunt for deer too. That'd be great. Or you can target it based on what you really hunt. But um, I did um, this one land last year. And every year, I suggest this for everybody that gets landowner permission, is give them a present come like the holiday season I did uh, Christmas wreaths last year so I'd make up a couple and just drive around to my landowners or like gift cards to the local restaurant or something they love it they love having you back after you do something like that so I would do that uh, but after landowner access I kind of just start bouncing cameras around if I'm getting really good activity for the start of archery season which unfortunately I didn't get to sit any during like the true archery season um, statewide. Uh, I'm going to sit this Saturday, but um, I have a trail set up with a scrape on it. And then the deer started making scrape, scrapes everywhere else but that trail. Yeah. They would make them on the trail into the camera after I have already put up a tree stand, all kinds of stuff. They're putting them in the driveway up to this lady's house. It's crazy. So, kind of later into the fall, I'll start, like, walking around. Like, I'm doing a bunch of duck hunting. So, I'm walking on the edges of streams and rivers, small beaver bogs out in the woods. I just keep my eye open where I'm going. But um, I think that when you're doing tracking, you're doing a lot less scouting. But essentially, like, you'd love to have your cameras out on side posts just to know roughly what bucks are in the area, or at least moving through. And then come tracking weather is when that really shines that, okay, I've got X, Y, and Z for roads that I like. I'm going to go drive them at 3 a.m. 
all the way to daylight. And if I cut a track that I like that looks like it's over 200 pounds, I'll throw my stuff on. I'll get 400 yards of the woods. I'll go really slow until it gets light out. And then I'll start picking up the pace and see where that deer's at. Um, but the, uh, the early part of the year, I'll just pick ridges that I've seen deer on before or that I like to, to look a bit like, all right, there's softwood on the backside or this one corner of it's full of softwood. I'm going to move towards that bedding area over the top of this hardwood ridge. I'll, I'll check uh, small poles where uh, two valleys come together, two ridges oppose each other. It could be a really good travel way in between there, and I just wouldn't know if I don't check it. So I do a lot more um, scout-style walking in the start of the deer season, but um, very excited for this fall. I'm doing something that I've coined the Tri-State Tour. So I'm going to try and harvest a buck in Maine, New Hampshire, on. Um, so I have uh, the Thanksgiving week off to travel to New Hampshire. So hopefully before Thanksgiving of the 22nd of November, when I leave for New Hampshire, I've harvested a deer Maine already. And I hope, I don't know if I have the day. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if I have the day off yet in the second week of December, but I do have Thanksgiving week. So 22nd through the 28th, I believe. I'm going to try and drive to New Hampshire. I bought a 12 by 14 wall tent with a wood stove, set it up hopefully on a back road, get into some, some good ridges and country. Um, think I might buy my New Hampshire duck tag as well, just, just in case I come back to the truck in the middle of the day. I've laid a couple of waypoints out near some nice rivers and stuff, so keep that, bring a shotgun for partridge and stuff. shoot a deer early in the week in New Hampshire, I'll bounce over Vermont, hopefully. But uh we're gonna we're gonna give it give it our all this year. Pretty pretty excited for the season. Try and film everything the best I can for the YouTube channel. Um try and do like a shoulder view with a GoPro for tracking. And uh if I'm in the tree I'll definitely have my camera arm um, over my shoulder or at least pointing in the direction that the air so I'm assuming Jackman and Carabasset Valley has a lot of just open land up there, so you can really get on a track and never oh, yeah. see anything. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, there's a lot of land up there you could get lost on. And essentially, just following a deer, you could you could go for miles. I my buddy Dawson he tracked a buck. Uh, I think last year, the year before, for nine miles. It didn't catch up. I think he jumped it two or three times got one shot off, but just nicked it. Yeah, it's all well good until you have to drag it out. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's kind of the nice part, though. Like, you could be six or eight miles on the track, but that deer could have crossed a logic road four times. Yeah. See, around yeah, here... So see, around here, we'd get on a track and follow it for a half mile and be into somebody's backyard. But, I mean, there's some land around here. Like we own, we have some land, and then my grandparents have quite a quite a bit of land, but it's still nothing compared to what's up there. Yeah, yeah. There's a piece 
great deer care basset that I'm going to hunt. It's like, it's all state land that they advertise it for hunting. I think it's right around 20 or 40,000 acres. Wow. Enormous. It, Holy. it does have a huge mountain on it, which is really difficult to walk around on it. It's hard terrain, but uh, I found, I walked up there one day and I found three antlers the first time I went up. And I went back in the spring. I went up in December the first time and then went back the following March, I think, March or April. And I found five antlers that time. Wow. I'm going to have to. Yeah. We're gonna have to do some shed hunting, <laughs> man. Oh, absolutely. Cause yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to set something up for this spring to have a big chunk of time off to do a, a big shed hunt up north. Like set up my wall tent, stay for a while. Uh, my hope over the winter is to get my guide's license. Oh wow! And advertise uh, a couple weeks in the spring for guided shed hunts. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really fun. Yeah. Like experience. Maybe they don't like hunting, but they want to want antlers for their house or something. They they want to find it themselves. It'd be a really great way to get people into the woods. We have a yeah. We have a camp up in uh, just a little north of Caribou, and which is way up there. And yeah, I haven't been up there. I mean, we go up like once a year if we're lucky, um, because it's a six-hour drive, which takes up a lot of time as you can imagine and yeah. I haven't really done any shed hunting but there's spots where I'm gonna hopefully this spring nice. I'll have my license so I can drive up there and get on some Good. but Good. we were foiling up there and I, I was just like scanning the side of these railroad beds for like moose antlers or anything and I saw like some white bone and I so I like kept that in my mind and then on the way back I jump off and I found two moose jaw bones. So not quite antlers, but it was an awesome find. And yeah, yeah, I bet I bet this spring I found uh, probably fifteen to twenty fresh carcasses from either winter kill or ticks or jeez, that's too bad. Struggles with the winter, and then God, I don't know how many like cleaned off white skulls. A lot. And I, I only found, there was one that was like a little double, probably four inches. And then I found one a couple of years ago that most of the paddles were chewed off. And it, I think it taped out close to 40 inches. So I stole. Wow. So my question is now, what do you do with all these antlers? Because, I mean, so, you have must have a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've got a underneath the house right now um, I've got a basket full of ones that I cut up essentially for dog treats or dog shoes but going further into looking at them um, some of them were like two years old or three year old animals that still looked like hard white and I know a lot of guys out west in terms of outsheds the hard whites are still fine to give to dogs but for some reason the blue sand being so thin they break down, and after like two or three years, they're a danger to the dog. They start splintering. They're no good. Oh wow! So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stain some of these chunks. They kind of look like T-bone steaks or 
tomahawk sticks. They've got a big point, uh, a chunk out of the paddle. So I'm going to try and stain them back to their original color and then uh, screw them onto a wall for a coat hanger. And I may put some little screws into it to hang your teeth off of. Yeah. Uh, do some of those. I've got a buddy that's sending me like two pounds of chips to handlers. So he runs uh, Maine Moose Dog Shoes. Mm-hmm. Maine Moose Handler Dog Toys, I think. Um, great guy. He's tag on Instagram's Yellow Shed Dog. He finds a ton of handlers every year, but he's going to be sending me some tips and I'm going to make some keychains. Um, so I'm going to do keychains. Uh, I'm actually wearing a belt buckle that I made. Uh, super sweet. Got a mouth logo in the middle of it. Uh, very sentimental buckle to me. I'm going to keep this one forever, but hopefully it's the bank that's coming So unfortunately, me and Ian broke up here a little bit. It's getting better now. Now we're going to transition. We're talking a little bit about his hometown. So sorry, I apologize for the uh, error. But that's it for scouting tips. Now we're going to move on here a little bit. Uh, one of the mountains up towards Jackman. So do you live up in Jackman? Or? Yep, so I grew up in Jackman. Oh, wow. Born and raised. Um, spent a lot of time in the woods out there. I'm sure you've heard about Jack and being kind of the mecca for like how blood is from there. Um, talked to him a bunch. I used to do some yard work for him a little bit. Great guy, but he's also one of the best deer hunters in the world. Wow. It's just right in our backyard. So, um, are you recording still? Yeah, I just picked it back up here. The, uh, yeah, Jackman's a little different country than around here. We just got, I mean, we live in the woods, but there's a lot more, like, residential areas a couple miles away, so, yeah. Just bust through the mountains quick. Yeah. Otherwise, um, if you're good, I'll Yeah, I'm good. Uh, We're good. To... Continue while we can. Yeah. Crazy. I, we do a little bit of 
calling around here, but we think it works, but we don't really know. We've had some deer walk in on us after the, we just used a little can call, but that's a I've good. I've never had a, a deer come to the can call. Um, I'm only, I've always got a grunt tube on me, even if I'm tracking, I've got a grunt tube. Um, but I've, I've called in, I think, three or four deer with the antlers. Yeah. So it, it's, it definitely works a couple of times, but it's pretty hard pressed. If a deer hears it, it might come and look. Mm-hmm. Especially a buck. They're going to come and take a look. You might not see them, but they're looking. Hmm. Yeah, so we were talking about the... Uh, Cut out again. Well... Uh, I'm going deep into the forks. We can... We can... Yeah, we can wrap this up real quick. So, just tell them about your YouTube channel real quick so we can support you here. So, the channel name is Beyond the Boundaries. Um, we got about 237 subscribers right now all about the outdoors um i've got a couple of duck hunting episodes up there now but mm-hmm. we grew a lot this spring with uh 19 shed hunting episodes being posted posted some um not this spring but last spring as well i've only been shed hunting for two years so that whole adventure's on there um a couple deer hunts um there's an island whitetail hunt then some biking from a big trip i did with my father um but Beyond the boundaries um, for everybody is um, I'm trying to push that name more to to really what it means of don't be scared of your dreams and go beyond the boundaries that you've um, kind of subconsciously set for yourself. Like, I don't know if I could really do that. Like, maybe it's hunting out of state or like some big goal that you have. Like, keep going. Go, go do that thing. It, I think people underestimate themselves and you can really do anything if you put your mind to it. So it's a great platform for anybody to, to come in and watch the videos, maybe learn something. Um, this spring, I'm going to be trying to film, like before shed season, I'm going to try and film um, something like an interview with myself and um, maybe a friend of mine and just get my screen recorded laptop so I can really show people and try and do like a master class on moose sheds of just I'm only two years into this, and I think I've, I've found a pretty good niche in, like, where they're going to be, where most of them are the same. So I'm going to try and film, a, like, a two- or three-part video this winter on kind of my strategy to find antlers, where I'm looking, where I'm putting waypoints to go to the Mm-hmm. You still there? PRT Productions. Um, the production's full name isn't there, but P-R-O-D. And then my personal's Ian McKendry underscore. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I lost you there for a tiny second, but it's it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually found you kind of through YouTube. I was watching your shed hunting videos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's worth it try and put out a lot of videos for folks to see it's it's good to have somebody that watches them yeah i i like you making youtube videos but it's hard especially it, when it i'm really is but i i like the podcast idea because it's you get to talk to cool people and it's 
really awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love talking to people, just hearing stories and sharing ideas, bouncing things off each other. It's like sitting around a round table and just shooting with each other for a while. Yeah, I talked to a, a trapper. I'm not sure if you are familiar with the name, but Jeremiah Wood. He's yeah. I nice. talked I talked to him and for a school project and unfortunately didn't get him didn't record it. Um but Oh bummer. But I still got some great stuff out of it. But I wish I would have yeah. recorded that. But that would have been awesome. Yeah. But. Cool. Yeah, maybe after traffic season and, and hunt season we'll have to do like Maybe a one or a two part thing on trapping and hunting. Absolutely. Uh, I think I've got like four three thirties for beaver. Got a bunch of footholds for otter and beaver. A uh, handful of martin traps. I think I got like six or seven coyote traps in the back too. So. Wow. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it hell for a while until the ground really freezes up, and then try and catch a couple extra water critters. Yeah. So. I have a few, like, I think they're one tens. Yep. For but we don't have our I don't have my trapping license yet, which I'm. Yeah. It's kind of hard to find a class, and but. Very, very so, hard to find a class. I'm gonna have to go somewhere far, but until they make it online, I don't know. Yeah, trapping's gonna be a hard enough thing. I ain't such a hands-on thing. And they, it's such a nitpicky world in terms of the laws. Like, traps have to be totally on water. The exclusion. Of yeah. Apologize here for the um, audio. He's just breaking up driving. You still there? Times getting broken up like that. Yeah, sorry. Now, uh, now I'm into Bingham. Oh, nice. This might be a little bit better. All right, you sound fine now. So. Yeah. Yeah, we we're talking. Questions or anything, whatever. I think we're pretty close to done. We were just talking about the trapping. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah, it's. T it's tough. Finding yeah, it's a. It's tough, tough. Tough trying to find a class. It's. It's really difficult teaching people online how to trap. So yeah. many intricacies. The laws are different. They they're changing all the time. Yeah, that's what I hear. Like I I haven't trapped since high school until yesterday. It, it had been probably five years since I had set a trap. Um, and I had to go back into the law. I I've looked every now and again at the laws, but um, they added exclusion devices. And um, since I trapped in high school, exclusion devices. Um, the, um, so Martin traps, they have to be recessed into a cage. They have to be 18 inches from the, the front of the entrance to this device. And then, um, the other change was coyote traps need to be center mounted. They have to have X amount of swivels and they can't be over a certain jaw length, but in the zone I live now, zone seven, I can use uh, jaw length greater than five and three eighths, unlike zone eight. So I'll have a, a much bigger area for the, the foot to be in as long as they touch that pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I've seen a fair bit of that uh, trapping today is the Jeremiah Woods channel, and 
we've I've learned a lot. He has a podcast from that, but I don't. Yeah. We don't have much experience. So it, they're gonna they're gonna run it right out of business. The trapping, eventually, Likely. but yeah. they don't get that. It actually has a big effect on the populations, but extremely. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that about hunting too. Like. I mean, trapping as well. I mean, coons around here aren't really as much of an issue elsewhere. I know there's guys in, like, Illinois, Iowa, some of those Midwestern states, they catch 500 coon a year. Be like squirrels. And exactly. Yeah. Um, they And people don't realize coons wreak havoc on just about everything. Like, they can bust into partridge nests, uh, turkey nests, get all those eggs, and they'll mess up all of that. So you start um, taking out some coons, you can get rid of all the uh, issues or some of the issues from partridge and turkeys. And then you start harvesting some fox and coyotes, bobcats even too. And then in turn with that, bears. Bears take a bunch of deer just like coyotes do. Um, Coyotes definitely more so because they're faster, more agile, but... um, this winter, I'm going to try and do some coyote baiting. Um, I actually, on shift the other night, I had to put down a moose. So I, I gave it a day for somebody to come pick it up. Nobody did. So I filled out a, a roadkill tag and um, dropped it off in a pit to, to try and shoot some coyotes off of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're a cop? I, can't, I knew that, but I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. I am a police officer. Is it yep. Jackman? Or? Nope, so I'm a police officer over in Carabasa Valley. Oh, wow. Um, so, yep, so we operate the town of Carabasset, um, and within Carabasset is Sugarloaf, USA, um, biggest ski area east of the Rockies. So yeah. in the winter, I, I'd say about half, if not more, our population increases so it it, uh it does get pretty hectic sometimes but i got switched over to night shift last spring and night shift's pretty good my schedule's nice i have a good chunk of days off here and there wow so you so you don't live in jackman you live in yep yeah so i grew up in jackman all right that makes sense moved over to carabasa valley after i got out of college yep yeah. That's cool. After I got that job, I was home for a couple months after um, college, but the uh, the opportunity came up, so I put the application in. All but all, it worked for some reason. Is that your? But I I really enjoyed it. It's it's something special, uh, but we'll see. See, there's a lot of different steps that I can take going forward. Would you consider being a game warden? Um, I've thought about it a lot. Um, game wardens are one of the more brutally underpaid positions in the world, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I try and explain it to everybody. Like the percentage of people that I deal with as a, an average LEO, um, being in law enforcement every day, like pulling people over, just general interactions with about how many of those people have a firearm on them, whether it be a rifle in their truck or something. I don't know like a good percentage, but a handful have had guns on, especially more in the fall. They're traveling around, hunt, whatever. You got guns on. When you're a game warden, 
almost all of the people you come in contact with are likely going to have either a knife or a gun on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah, there's maybe not so many hostile situations. Game wards do a lot of the license checking and just general interaction with public, but um, I mean, I do a fair amount of the interaction with the public and, and just community relations, um, going around, checking in with businesses, but those calls that I do get where it's a tense situation, those are the ones that uh, they don't wind up in a good place, but you try your best to, to tie them up quickly and control everything to the best of your ability. Wow. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of different avenues to think about policing and law enforcement in general. It's a very big world that I've just scratched the surface of. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, nowadays, they don't get enough credit, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, they I mean, do. I, they I do, joined, but... Yeah. I joined the police department right at the peak of All the that. nation yeah. not liking police officers. Yeah. And I have, out of the thousands of interactions that I have personally had with the community, I have had like three negative ones. Yeah. Where they're pretty much blatantly saying to you that, hey, I don't like cops. It's like, okay, like that's perfectly fine. Like, I am a human being too. Uh, here's your warning. Have a good day. Yeah. Like, just slow it down a little bit. That's all I'm asking. Your education. Education is a lot better than um, kind of forced participation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just being out there. If you drive by a cop in your hometown, what do you do? Text all your buddies. Hey. Cops in town, he's pulling people over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. News spreads quick. People start slowing down. It, you can tell quickly. Everybody tells their friends where the cop is sitting. Hey, they're out there. They're pulling people over. You especially want to do it on weekends. Get everybody, hey, I saw blue lights when I was on the way to the bar. Maybe I shouldn't drive home tonight. I'll get a ride to somebody else. Yeah, like sometimes we'll be driving in Portland. There'll just be a car, cop car parked on the side of the road with... Nobody in it, just to, just to yeah. bait the like busy yeah. parts. But it, presence is a big thing. Just yeah. having your getting the getting the lights out there. Um, just having a, a vehicle out is people seeing it. I mean, we don't leave vehicles anywhere, but we just just driving around, checking on things, checking on businesses, saying what's up to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm and sure. Always into the yeah. Common goal keep people safe. Yeah. 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 I'm sure uh, ski season is crazy. A lot of yeah. out of out of staters. A lot of out of staters. Um, unfortunately, not going to point any fingers at a particular state, but a lot of them from southern parts of New England don't really know how to drive in inclement weather. Yeah. I remember some morning I had like five or six cars off the road in an hour. It was crazy. Jeez. And I'm sure. And then, yeah. I'm sure I'm this. Nothing, nothing that was like really serious accidents. It's just kind of sliding off the roads. Lunch. Well, 30 on your way to work. It's okay. Yeah. They're like, chill out. Chill out. The snow is not going anywhere. 
Yeah. It's funny how many people you pull over and they're like, oh, I'm trying to get to the mountain. Okay. The mountain's not going anywhere. You can slow down. You're going to be okay. later. You're going to be later now that you're pulled over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'd say we could probably wrap this up here. I Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. You're my... Absolutely, man. I haven't really... I haven't done much podcasting lately, but you're my first special guest, so you get that award, and we'll be in touch, and hopefully wish you the best of luck this uh, hunting season. Go check out his YouTube channel if you have not already. Um, Yeah, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. Good deal. See ya. All right, guys. You just listened to one of the best podcasts. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I want to apologize just for the, uh, it's a little jumpy the here and there. Um, he's driving out in the middle of nowhere. As you can probably imagine, service is um, not everywhere out in that part of the state. So just thank you guys for bearing with me throughout the episode. Just want to thank Ian McKendry one more time. If you guys could please go click the subscribe button over on his channel. It is Beyond the Boundaries. Some great content over there. Go do that right now. Also, if you have not already, go follow my Instagram. It is the official Instagram of the podcast, into.the.woods1. I'm going to start putting out some content there. and Go check out my YouTube, Into the Woods. Have posted my first ever video on that channel. Um, just the other day, and there's going to be a full hunting season ahead of us with a lot of content coming. Go click that subscribe button. It means a lot. Also, thank you guys so much for listening. It means a lot. Uh, See you guys in the next one. Thanks again.